This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, New Orleans? What's up across the Gulf South? And are you listening wherever you are tonight at WWL.com and the Radio.com app? Welcome into the show. Lots of Saints and college football to talk about tonight. Of course, it's that time of year. Logan Falgus, our studio producer behind the glass. Great lineup of guests for you tonight. Zach Streif, 12-year NFL offensive lineman, current voice of the Saints on the Saints Radio Network. He will join us at 832. And then I just got done taping a two-part interview with Tim Brando, play-by-play voice for Fox Sports Television during college football season. He talks about, yeah, LSU, but also about a relevancy crisis in college football that he has been very passionate about over the last couple of years and the last couple of weeks are no different than that i talked to tim we will have two parts of about a 20-minute interview and it just went that long we had a plan to just do about eight minutes with him i was just telling bobby Avery this in studio plan to do about eight minutes with him but he was so passionate and the conversation was so good i moved around the show here if you can hear me, I'm a little out of breath because I was literally running back and forth trying to rearrange the show, and we did. Tim Brando will join us at 20 after 9 o'clock, 9.20, and then 9.32. A little NFL hot seat power rankings came out today. One network did that. I thought it was very interesting what they said about the Saints and some of the Saints' rivals in the NFC South. That's on the docket. Ben Mintz is on the show, mixing it up with Mintz up in Shreveport. He mixes it up with us every Wednesday. He comes in at 10-10, and then we go inside Texans training camp in the uh, 10 o'clock hour. Phone lines, as always, first half hour of the show are wide open for you at 504-260-1870, and our text line is 870-870. Our opinion poll tonight is, well, about Sir Brando. Tim Brando says college football is suffering from a relevancy crisis outside of the South and outside of SEC land, maybe ACC land. Is he right? Yes or no, simple yes or no. You can cast your vote at www.com or the radio.com app. I'm really interested to follow those poll results. We'll get into that more in hour number two. I thought it was, speaking of very interesting, well, today, after Saints practice, we usually get to talk to, well, certainly Coach Payton every day, and then always a couple of players. And they rotate people in and out of there. Once every week, about once a week, we get to talk with Drew Brees. Usually, if you've listened to Drew, he is the ultimate politician. He doesn't say much that is really newsworthy. Never taking shots at his receivers, even subtle or subliminal shots at his receivers or fellow players. But he's also not prone to kind of gushing hyperbole when when talking about the play of his teammates. He doesn't really do that. It's usually kind of canned answers, which is kind of what you have to do when you're an NFL quarterback. Well, what he said about one of his receivers today was incredibly interesting to me. Now, I think that everybody can relate to the wide receivers that are battling for positions on this roster. One of the guys that Drew Brees was talking about. All right, It's like you work your way through college or school and you get to your professional career. And the first couple of years on the job, they're always a learning process. What's for me? 
as soon as you get out of high school or if you go out on the college, as soon as you get out of college, it is. But sometimes you're lucky enough to be employed by a kind of first-class organization. Really good job. Invaluable experience. But I want you to imagine, if you're in that spot, imagine you just get out of school, you're in the spot where great job, great organization, but every single year, every single year, like clockwork, your company, your boss is making cuts. And your personnel departments, they are under the microscope. Your job on the chopping block, it has been before and it is again. A couple of years into your professional career. Now, I want you to imagine in the scenario that your boss's closest confidant, that the, maybe the most valuable, productive employee at that company, he decides, when everybody's on the chopping block here, during this time of year, he decides to take time out of his day to go in public and give you this ringing endorsement just before those job cuts are made. And this guy, again, most valuable employee at the company, somebody your bosses, your owner, is, is going to listen to. Probably going to make you feel a lot better about your job security, right? Well, that's exactly what happened today to Austin Carr. He's the guy, the receiver, that received this really heaping praise from Drew Brees. I'm going to play a couple of bites for you here. And we it's interesting because yesterday on the show, we talked a lot the first hour about the battle at wide receiver and how we handicapped that. And I last week had Austin Carr off of my final 52 projection. Yesterday, I put him back in. That was mainly because we didn't see anything from Manuel Butler in that game. Keith Kirkwood is banged up. And the familiarity Carr had with the offense, plus, yeah, his one catch, the touchdown catch from Taysom Hill on Sunday. You know, Drew Brees, yeah, heaping praise on Austin Carr. He was asked about the receivers. I had a couple of questions about that. Mike Triplett asked him, oh, what do you think about Austin Carr after the game? How's he been in camp? Here is the first thing he said. Little subtle things that he's done well. Great camp. Continues to get better each day. And kind of the money line here, I'm really developing a lot of confidence in him. I mean, that was enough in itself when you're talking about almost unsolicited. I'd say unsolicited, but it was a question about Austin Carr. So all of that, but look, Breeze wasn't done. Here's more. I mean, that that's big-time stuff from Drew Breeze. If Carr were a politician, if he was running for president, he'd, I don't know, just have secured like this grand endorsement from one of the party's big donors. Pundits scrambling everywhere to check his poll numbers. I get it. Football's not an election. So Carr's got to earn himself a place on this roster the old-fashioned way. And he is squarely on the bubble. I don't necessarily know that that he's going to come off of that bubble, but maybe he should. Maybe he should. He's battling, we all know, this is Kirkwood, Emmanuel Butler, L.J. Humphrey, Simi Cobb, Cyril Grayson Jr. There might be two, maybe three roster spots for those receivers. I'm taking Deontay Harris out of this conversation because he is my front runner to win the returner jobs, and he's listed as a wide receiver. But in the regular season, he's going to only get snaps on special teams unless the Saints are in a dire situation. They don't want him out there as a wide receiver. Carr, look, if I'm Austin Carr today, I'm feeling pretty darn good about the security of my spot on this roster. When Drew Brees says that about one of his receivers, says, I've got a lot of confidence in him. He's had a great camp. He's instinctive, has the feel of the progressions when I'm going to throw it to him how he gets separation, how he gets open. 
that is more in-depth than we've heard Drew Brees really speak about anybody other than probably Michael Thomas over the last couple of years. doesn't mean that I think Austin Carr is the second best receiver necessarily on this team. But look, I tweeted it out earlier. Right now, I probably wager a lot that Austin Carr is squarely on this roster. I don't think there's a way right now that he doesn't make this final 53-man roster. Now, Mike Triplett, the ESPN NFL Nation reporter yesterday, he told us the same thing before he heard this. He said, Austin Carr has been and continues to be on my final 53-projected roster. Well, maybe he should be. Big battle between this receiver room has always intrigued me. And it's not just, obviously, the receiver room. It's in training camp. When you have 90 guys... And more than that, if you count the guys who come in and out, a lot more than that, battling, working, trying to either save their professional career or just start it. It's You have the camaraderie of your teammates and you're working together, but there's also competition involved in that. It's, it's a duality that I've always found fascinating. And I've, I've been in some locker rooms where – it gets even a little bit hostile, and it's a little rare, but it can get a little hostile. It hasn't been the case for the Saints really in the past handful of years at all, probably since, and I'm not trying to take you know postmortem shots here at, at Junior Gallette or Akeem Hicks, but once those guys and some others got out of here, and Akeem Hicks is a different player in Chicago, very good teammate, once he got up there, kind of changed his tune to get it, but here in the locker room, all indications were they were the malfeasance in there. Once they got past that, I'm talking about they, the Saints, the locker room, the camaraderie this time of year has gotten a lot of be- a lot better. And apparently that's the case with this wide receiver group. Intense competition, but Austin Carr said a lot of camaraderie. You know, he's a Northwestern Wildcat. That's what Zach Streif is, of course. Very eloquent in front of the microphone. Kind of a natural leader. You can kind of hear that in his voice. But I think he means that about his teammates. He's rooting for him. He's trying to make them all better, all the guys in that wide receiver room. It's it's going to be interesting to watch this play out. But also, again, going back to the imaginary scenarios, imagine if you were in, working in your workplace and you knew in a couple of weeks half the people that you're working with aren't going to be there or almost half the people you're working with aren't going to be there. Be a little morbid, right? Saints haven't really run into that. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, if you're doing your own projections, you're around the water cooler, you're on social media, and everybody wants to talk about who's making this roster at wide receiver, put Austin Carr on those projections because with what Drew Brees said today, he's in, and he probably will stay in. So that is one less spot available for those other guys. I want to hear from you now. We'll take a break. We're going to open up the phone lines. What do you think about Drees' comments? What do you think about Austin Carr? What do you think about this wide receiver group? Anything you want to talk about, Saints? 504-260-1870. That's 504-260-1870. And our text line is 870-870. I'm Seth Dunlap, and the last lap continues on WWI. Drew Brees, a huge endorsement of Austin Carr earlier today. That was the big news for me out of camp. I mean, really. I catch on to this stuff. I am I am paid to listen to to how people speak and what they say. not just And the reason I led with how people speak, it's not always what they say. Sometimes it's how they say it. Matter of fact, most of the time it's how they say it. I've gone through the ones before, what Mickey Loomis said in his opening press conference, what Sean Payton said about Michael Thomas in the spring, what Drew Brees said and how he said it about Austin Carr. I am telling you, Austin Carr is on this roster. I mean, I will at old takes exposed myself if that doesn't happen, all right? 
It is. It's happening. Now, when I posted that on social media, posted the video of Drew saying what he said with my little bit of commentary on there that Austin Carr probably going to be on this roster. Boy, most of Saints fandom, at least Saints Twitter, freaked out a little bit. The what? Austin Carr? What about Butler? What about LJ Humphrey? You got to be kidding me. That was the re- reaction of a lot of Saints fans, at least on social media that I saw. More of that coming in here on the text line at 870-870. Here's one from the 504. We tried Austin Carr. Love him, but this is the NFL. Got to produce or get out. Here's another one from the 504. Seth, give me a little Jordan Humphrey. He's got the size and his uh, rack ability. I think that's yak, supposed to be yak, yards after catch, not rack. I want him. I see him and Drew bringing Crescent City Connection 2.0. It doesn't mean that LJ Humphrey or Emmanuel Butler can't make this roster. I'll tell you one guy I'm less sure is on now than I was a couple of days ago is Emmanuel Butler. You've got to produce when you get opportunities. He had a really bad moment. I don't think it was a career killer by any stretch of the imagination. The ball hit off his helmet. But a few catches in camp. And, and look, and admittedly, I'm just going to tell you what somebody told me. So it's their words, not mine. I don't know. I won't tell you who this was at camp. Somebody that you know. Um, but I'll give them credit because it wasn't my words. They just said, well, Seth, a few catches in camp, that doesn't overshadow the entire month. I mean, we're talking about a few catches in camp, possibly, with Emmanuel Butler. What has he done for me lately kind of thing? Maybe that's right. Let's go to James on the phone line in New Orleans. James, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Uh, so, listen, um, I'm thinking you're kind of right about Austin Cobb, but only by default, really. Uh, he's the only one that reminds me of, a, like, a poor man, Lance Moore, if that makes any sense. Um, I was hoping... Uh, Emmanuel Butler could, could fill that role. Like you said, he hasn't really done much. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing about him in, in the uh, training camp. He's not doing it in the game. Uh, the only other guy might be uh, uh, the, the, the Jordan kid. He, he's kind of heavy. Lil Jordan Humphrey, LJ uh, Humphrey. Yeah, yeah, that guy. But, uh, I mean, uh, I think he's got the inside slide. I think what's more compelling for me is uh, the speed positions. Cyril uh, uh, Grayson. I think he's he's making too many plays to just uh, put him on the uh, the practice squad. I don't think he'll he'll, he'll somebody will snatch him up. I think he'll be the eventual replacement for Teddy. Uh, you, you think? And I got to go, James. But it sounds like you think uh, real quick. You, th- you think Cyril Grayson is on the roster? Yeah, he, well, he's he's been playing better than everybody else. I don't know of anybody else. I mean, he's had moments. There's no doubt. I'm not going to be completely surprised if Cyril Grayson is on this roster. I'm not going to be completely surprised if any of those receivers are. Really appreciate the call tonight, James. Ah, yes. The camp cutdown debates rage on, and the wide receiver position has been in focus all camp long, really way before camp. If you go back to before the draft. Heck, you can go back to last offseason. Everybody's trying to wonder, well, how could the Saints improve that position? Seth Dunlap with you here until 11 o'clock tonight, and... Let's bring on into the program Zach Streif, 12-year NFL offensive lineman with the Saints and now voice of the Saints on the Saints radio network. Zach, how you doing, buddy? Seth, I'm doing great, bud. Thanks for having me. Uh, how, how's your camp going, man? Uh, you, you enjoying kind of – you just got back from L.A., you enjoying it? Probably much much more than you did when you played, I'm, I'm guessing. It's a, lot, it's a lot better than when I played, yes. Uh, I, I get to go to bed whenever I feel like it. There's no grown men coming to see if I'm tucked in at the appropriate time. <laughs> 
the only downside is I don't have unlimited access to snacks and Gatorade anymore. I got to do that on my own. But yeah, it's nice. Uh, nice just going out to practice. It's been a lot of fun to watch the guys this year. Did they? They had a designated guy to come around and, and check your dorms. Is that true? There's a couple. Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, either the security guys or the, the assistant strength coaches. So. Yes, there are guys that come around and check and make sure that you're uh, in bed. It's really more that you're in your room and not out. Yeah, that's. Uh, it sounds like uh, I don't know, prison watch or something like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like that a little bit when it's happening to you. <laughs> I, I, I caught on Zach to what Drew Brees said today, and I always listen to these post-practice press conferences, and about ninety-eight percent of the time they're dull, they're boring. You don't really find out anything. I thought we found out a lot today when Drew Brees gave his huge endorsement to Austin Carr, saying that he loves how Austin's played in camp. He's extremely comfortable with them, went into his route running. Does that mean Austin Carr is squarely now on this roster, man? I don't know if it means that he's squarely on the roster. I'd like to believe that, uh, being a, a former cat, just like Austin is. But um, I, I certainly think, you know, it's always easy, and, and you know this, you know, from staying on the sidelines, it's easy to catch the big flashes. You know, it's easy to see a guy that makes a big play down the sideline or some acrobatic grab. or Those are easy to see. It's very difficult to see what a guy like Austin Carr can bring to the table because he's never going to blow your mind with his athleticism or with, uh, you know, his ability to go up and fight a ball away. But Austin Carr is a very savvy player. He always has been. That's how he was in college. He's a former walk-on at Northwestern. Actually wrote the head coach a letter um, saying, hey, I'd love to come and play for football for you guys. So, you know, it's a, it's a really it's – a, it's a pretty crazy story that he's ended up where he is. And he's really survived on that savviness, uh, you know, through college and, and into the pros. And so the number one thing – listen, let's be honest. The number one thing is, is having Drew Brees on your side and having that guy have confidence in you. Um, and I think that Austin's had a really good, solid camp. I think he's continued to grow. You know, you've seen him get opportunities consistently uh, with the first group. He just doesn't make a lot of flash plays. But that's not really who he is. But uh, I think that that position battle is still raging. I, I really don't think that it's settled at all. Um, but but I do think that Austin Carr is square in the mix and, and probably more so uh, than, than we in the media have really given him uh, credit for. I th- look, I think you're right, and I think that like, – I called myself out on the radio yesterday, said I've had Austin Carr off this roster an entire camp, and I shouldn't have. There's no way I should have, and I think I've fixed that now. Uh, do you have any idea, Zach, how many receivers they'll keep this year? I think it's usually six, but sometimes that includes a returner. I don't know if we're considering Deontay Harrison that or not. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the big decision is, is – you know, is there going to be a guy that contributes outside of the receiver group? They're not going to carry six receivers and have them all just be receivers. One of those guys is going to have to be a major contributor on special teams. And, you know, here, listen, Deontay Harris is, is, is really interesting. I don't know that he could have, has, could have done much better so far in the preseason in games. He's looked the part. He, you know, he seems to make plays and have a knack. It's even the short returns, you kind of look down and you go, man, that was 12 yards. You know, he just has a knack for, for returning the football. And uh, if he continues with that throughout the preseason, he's going to be really tough uh, to release, you know. And, and certainly with Marcus Sherrill's having been out and, and not, not getting to see him, although obviously there's already a lot of film and, and history on Marcus Sherrill's, but it sure would be a lot more exciting to have a guy in his first year that could be that productive on that side. And uh, so, you know, I think, you know, right now, personally, uh, I'd probably put it at five. 
Um, but I do think that there's a very good opportunity or chance that, that we would see six. I just think one of those guys is going to have to be a major special teams contributor. And, you know, right now, if you look in that room, that have to be Deontay Harris. Yeah, I'm with you there. We're talking to Zach Streif at Zach Streif on Twitter, voice of the Saints. Let's go to offensive line. I, I – I think that this might be, and look, Zach, please tell me how wrong I am. I want you to if I'm wrong about this. It seems like this position group is the easiest to project. It's also the deepest, I think, on the team. But it seems like Cameron Tom, Nick Easton, because of the contract, maybe not because necessarily of how he's performed, but because of that contract, and then Michael Ola because he's probably the best guy that you've got playing tackle uh, of the backup preserve. It seems like those three guys are going to be on this roster. Am I wrong there? Is this going to be harder to handicap once we get close to cut downs? And I'm giving it credit for? Well, I'll tell you this. So I, I, I still think Will Clapp has had a good, solid camp. And, and I said early on he had a great offseason. And, and really what you would, you know, suspect, you know, that, listen, they brought Nick Eaton in to play center. Um, he has played guard, obviously, more since, since Eric McCoy has taken over. But I think he's a better center. Um, I think he played better at center this year. And so you might see them want to go and grab another guard. Now, I think Cam's had a good camp, too. And like you said, it's one of the problems is it's a deep group. There's a lot of guys in there that I think can play in the National Football League. Um, so I don't know that that's really nailed down yet. And I also don't think that the Saints are above saying, you know what, this guy isn't one of our seven or eight best, and, and we're not going not gonna to keep him because I think Nick Easton has more to prove. Um, he is coming off a year where he didn't play, and, and that can be very difficult for guys to – kind of get back in the swing of things he's certainly shown that he has the ability to do it before but you know I don't know how secured that room is yet uh, I, I think you're right with Mike Ola I think he's been the best of the group at that tackle spot and I think that's still a battle that is continuing and that's been my concern since early in campus kind of who's going to fill that you know kind of not necessarily even swing tackle role because I don't think that guy's on the roster but um, at least somebody that can step in and play right tackle for you uh, if Ryan goes down and, and, and I think having the versatility at that point then to, to play guard as well is really beneficial for Michael Ola uh, in case he would end up sliding into left guard and letting Andrews Pete slide out. When you're watching those guys on the offensive line maul now that the pads run and you've seen game situations with a lot of them, are, are you impressed by the talent in that group? They have a chance to be not one of, maybe the best offensive line in the league? Yeah, talent-wise, th that group is phenomenal. Um I will say this, and and hope my guys don't get mad at me. I think they can play a lot better than what they've played. Um, I, I, don't, I have not been overly impressed with, with really either one of the games um, for those guys. And, and, and I only say that because I know what they're capable of, and I don't think that they've shown that yet. Now, the preseason – I understand. I mean, because I was, I, I went through it. it. It's it's a hard time mentally for you as a player to really perform at your absolute best because you have this thought in the back of your head: I have to be ready for the season. And there's kind of a, it's just an inherent fear of man, I can't do what I normally do because I don't want to have anything go wrong. I just want to get out of this game healthy. Uh, and and so, you know, I I take it all with a grain of salt in the preseason, but. Uh, if you you want to ask me about talent, yeah, that that is as talented a group as there is. And and again, I think Ryan Ramchek and Teron Armstead are unquestionably the best tackle duo in football. How have you reacted to this Teddy versus Taysom debate that has broken out and raged on social media the last couple of days, man? Well, I think listen, the Saints are in a really good position in the quarterback room. I don't know that any any team in football has a better quarterback room than the New Orleans Saints. 
um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, the, the discussion in the preseason in general with quarterbacks is always kind of tough. And, you know, I also think that both of those guys would kind of acknowledge, I don't think Teddy played very well. I don't think Teddy felt like he played very well. I also don't think he got a ton of help. Um, and, and, you know, Taysom played, uh, very well. I, I was so proud of Taysom. He looked so comfortable throwing the football, obviously made good decisions on the ground. He's incredibly talented, uh, running the football as well. But he was also playing at the end of a game in which most defensive starters didn't play. You're getting third and fourth string guys, you know, whereas Teddy was playing with more of the defensive guys on the field. But I I, I just I implore people to take preseason games uh, a little bit maybe less serious. It, it's, they're not serious, but you can't tell the whole story out of a preseason game. You just can't. This team has never been one to prepare for preseason games. We spent a minimal amount of time on them. Sending a quarterback out on the field with one night of game prep uh, is really putting them behind the eight ball. And a guy like Taysom that can run around with the football really gives him an advantage. So um, I, I think Teddy's had a very good training camp. I think he's been incredibly accurate. He's made good decisions. You know, there's things that Teddy needs to improve on. But um, I, I'm I'm just psyched that we have both of them in the building because, quite honestly, you love having both of them. Zach Streif with us. Zach, camp breaks tomorrow. A lot of fans have asked me, well, what does that mean exactly? Because they're still practicing after that, still preseason game. What happens when camp breaks? Well, I think the single biggest change is that they eliminate night meetings. So as a player, you know, they've been in the hotel uh, every night, right? And so, you know, short of the days off, you know, you, you go back to the hotel, you have practice, you, you eat dinner, you go back to the hotel, um, and you start meetings up again around 7.30, and you go till 9.30, 10 o'clock, and, you know, that's your life for about three and a half weeks is, you know, you're up at 7, you're, you're down at, at 10 o'clock at night, and once camp breaks, the practice schedule is really the same, but there's no more fans around. Uh, you know, like you know, Seth, there's no more media, you know, throughout practice, but more than anything, the single biggest takeaway is when the day is over, it's usually right around dinner time and you get to drive home and, and be with your family. So that's really the big change in terms of the football side of it. Those guys are still grinding. Yeah, and you're still grinding, Zach. We will hear you and Deuce McAllister this Saturday up in New York. First time, what, since 2006, Saints and Jets have played in the preseason. We'll hear Zach and Deuce and Steve Geller on the sidelines this Saturday. Zach, really appreciate the time tonight, man. I have to say it was a beautiful segue, Seth. I loved it. All right. Me too. All right, buddy. We'll talk All to you right, tomorrow. Buddy. All right, man. <laughs> All right, there he goes. Yes, the beautiful Zach Streif, at Zach Streif on Twitter, voice of your New Orleans Saints. Got a lot of texts to get to. Yes, I've seen them all. I'm not ignoring them. Just wanted to talk to Zach there. We'll answer some of those texts, plus your phone calls when we come back. And the lines, well, they're wide open right now. Love to hear from you. Let's talk some Saints football. 504-260-1870. 504-260-1870 and our text line is 870-870. The last lap, we're running on right here on WWL. At Scott Hughes 713 on Twitter. Tweets at Zach Streif and I. Enjoy listening every night. Yeah. I'm glad to have you in the audience, Scott. Thanks. Good conversation with Zach Streif last segment. We'll have it up on the podcast in a little bit. The last lap podcast, WWL.com, radio.com app, or Apple Podcasts. Let's get to some text, and then we'll get to your phone calls. Got a lot of them coming in the last half hour. Here is one from the five zero four. Seth, when does the first set of player cuts begin? Thanks, Rick. Well, it, it, originally, the NFL actually had a couple of cuts, like you referenced there. They would cut down to what seventy, and then go fifty three. But now it's just one cut, and that will happen after the final preseason game. 
and I much prefer it that way. The reason that they did it before two cuts was to help NFL front offices sort out everybody who was released on some teams, and other teams might want to pick those guys up and get them into camp for a week. Now, maybe there are some general managers, maybe a lot of general managers and coaches that would like it that way. I know Sean Payton has said many times since the change happened that he much prefers it this way where he can keep all 90 guys that he wants in camp right there until uh, the end of camp and the end of the preseason. Here's a text from the 504. I heard from CBS Sports that they predict Atlanta will be NFC North champs. What are your thoughts on this prediction? Enjoy your show. Well, my thoughts on the prediction are this. I think it's a fine prediction. And what I mean by fine is I'm, I'm okay with it because I'm on record and I believe this, that Atlanta is going to be the Saints' primary challenger in the NFC South. I think depending on their health, and they're getting a little banged up in camp, they might be the Saints' primary challenger in the NFC. So I'm okay with that prediction. I'm not somebody who gets fired up and sends off tweets at you know, a columnist or a host or a pundit, sports pundit, who doesn't predict predict the Saints or my teams to win a division, win a championship. Here's a text from the 251. Seth, you're rubbing off. I'm still more excited about the Pelicans, and I'm much more of an NFL fan. Hey, good. I'm glad you are. You should be excited about the Pelican season. Boy, and it's two months away. October 22nd is the first regular season game. I was talking to Todd Graffinini out at Saints camp today, the new voice of the Pelicans on the Pelicans radio network, and Well, he is stoked about it, too. He was just rattling off all of the preseason games that he's going to be going to. I think it's five on the road, one at home for the Pels. Let's go to Cordell in Minnesota. Cordell, welcome to the show. Hey, Seth, how you doing tonight? Hey, I'm good, Cordell. What's up? Hey, not too much. Hey, listen, I I was calling. I I was thinking about uh, a couple of players, you know, uh, know, kind of unsung heroes on the team. Well, and then one's a rookie. Um, So I'm kind of afraid. Uh, even though Deontay Harris um, looks really good, I just man, some some's telling me that we're gonna let him go, and he's gonna wind up signing with another team, and and and, and gonna do well. Let me ask you uh, this, you know, Cordell. Let me ask you this: What makes you think that okay. the Saints are gonna let him go? Because I mean, what, what you well, from what you said, mm-hmm. I mean the the whole I mean bringing Austin Carr back. Oh, okay. I, I like Austin Carr. Sure. I like Austin Carr a lot. Uh, I think he could, he you know he could he could bring something to the team. I think I see him as that Lance Moore type of uh, uh, maybe a poor man's uh, Lance Moore. Well, can I call me? Uh, can I can I ease you a little bit? Can I ease your fears about that? The sure. reason that I I okay. didn't have Deontay Harris there is I'm not counting him in that wide receiver group because he's not going to play wide receiver. I think Deontay Harris right now is on this roster. I don't think Marcus Sherrills is. I think Marcus Sherrills, when he gets back, they're going to get him healthy, and then they're going to waive him to make sure that, well, he's healthy, they got some film on him, and then they don't have to use an injury designation for him. Cordell, let me just go back to what he did just against the Chargers. Forget the first week. Deontay Harris, five punt returns, averaged 11 yards per return on those punts. That is a a very healthy average. If you're averaging double digits on punt returns in the NFL – that's huge. Also, to kick returns, 25 yards of return. You'd like to get that up a tick or two, maybe a little bit. But that's more than sufficient to win yourself a starting return job in the NFL. And here's the difference with special teams. In the preseason, a lot of times, the offense and defense, you're seeing second teamers, you're seeing third teamers, guys who won't play in the NFL. A lot of those special teams are actually first team guys 
on special teams. You're starting special teams guys that get out there and, and knock heads. So he's doing that against a lot of really good special teams players in the NFL. Thanks for the call, Cordell. Really appreciate it. Got to take a break here. When we come back, we're unveiling a brand new segment. We unveiled it yesterday. We're continuing it today. It's our bonehead of the day and maybe boneheads of the day. And I got to tell you, didn't plan it this way, but maybe a little double entendre in this one. I'll explain coming back next on the last lap. I like to have a little fun here in hour one of the show. And at the end of the 8 p.m. hour from here until, well, as far as I can see, we're going to do a segment that is based around, well, I like to have a little fun with people. Sometimes I will name myself the bonehead of the day in sports, but today it's not me. We started this yesterday. We actually started this a few years ago on double coverage and Christian Garrick and I were hosting. Christian was talking to me. He said, I actually used to do this on my Sunday show. It's just sports. So long time segment. We're bringing it back. It's called bonehead of the day. I promise you, I did not try to make this segment as a double entendre here. I had this produced yesterday before I saw the news in major league baseball today. Our boneheads of the day are every major league baseball player who is taking over-the-counter sexual male enhancement pills from gas stations. Ah, yes, Major League Baseball sent out a memo about the, quote, very real risk of over-the-counter sexual enhancement pills after two players this year were suspended for performance-enhancing drugs and came back and said, well, MLB, I was just taking pills that I bought in gas stores. Here's what they say, quote, Major League Baseball, quote, sexual or male enhancement products present a very real risk and threat for drug-tested players and all the high likelihood for contamination or unidentified ingredients in these products underscores the importance of consuming only those products that are certified. Boneheads of the day. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 